Welcome to CrossFit Harrow's podcast, episode number five. Um, I actually have another special guest on the show today. Um, that special guest is my younger sister. Uh, my younger sister, Emma, has joined us today. Um, we are going to dive into mental health. It is Mental Health Week next week. Um, and my sister plays quite a big role within her organization with regards to mental health. So I thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to bring on the show um, and hear her story and, and share it with you guys. Um, so Em, what, um, what's your day-to-day main role? Um, with what, what, What's your main role? So I am a primary school teacher, which obviously involves me teaching. I'm currently in year three and four, so I'm teaching about seven to eight-year-olds. But I have another role in school, which is a senior mental health lead. And I'm a, also in a part of the safeguarding team, which is where we essentially identify children who may need some mental health and emotional well-being support and that can be children of all ages across the school and it's my job to develop a whole school approach to support mental well-being what um what does what does a mental what does a senior mental health lead mean what what is that in significance to to the school so essentially it's it's getting me to provide information to the staff so that they understand the important factors affecting mental health. It's getting them to be aware that they have to take care of their own mental health and well-being. I then have to be able to identify the signs and the symptoms, listen non-judgmentally, hold supportive conversations with children and adults, and also signpost people to the most professional help that they would need or that they need to get. Was this um, was this something that you volunteered to take lead on, or did you? How, how does it work? If I'm completely honest, um, I always knew from when I was young I wanted to be a head teacher. So I obviously went straight into teaching when I finished school, and I ended up getting comments made about um, the well-being of students and how I was able to look after them in a different sort of way. So my school actually created this role for me. And if I'm being honest, in the times that we're facing, not just now, but over the last few years, mental health has been extremely prevalent. And they decided that it was the best role suited for me to help the children. So, yeah, I mean, I've got, I'll I'll hold fire on some stuff that I want to talk about with regards to mental health and stuff. But... um, with regards to, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that over later on in the show, but with regards to the situation that we're in now, um, how is that impacting um, schools or let's say those students that were identified pre-COVID-19 having or needing support? What What is or what are schools currently doing um, or what do you know and what can you say to people? Well, we are quite fortunate because we're at the moment a part of the green paper that the government put together, whereby they set out the ambition that children and young people who need help for their mental health are able to get what they need. So we actually have a mental health workforce or community-based people on site who I liaise with, who I work with, and they have children who they were working with pre-COVID-19, and they've been amazing. Some of them were a part of the CAMS team, which is the Children Adolescent Mental Health Service. We also work with HUES, which is the Health and Wellbeing Service, and they have continued working with the children if they felt comfortable and the families over online programs which I'm sure obviously everyone has had to sort of move to um, however some children are not responding and they do not want video calls or they don't want to be speaking over the phone they just want to return to school yeah there's obviously a bit of a safeguarding issue there as well right um, however, there can be but the um, teams that are in there they have really well-developed equipment so that there aren't any safeguarding issues, otherwise they wouldn't be able to carry it out. But it's also thinking about what makes the children feel comfortable because 
they never would have never experienced anything like this before. So their mental health will be impacted every day that they spend at home. Yes, it's great that they're with their family, but they're not used to their normal structure of school. But but what about the? I mean, we, we you know going off off topic a little bit. We could talk about the safeguarding of children, but also what about with regards to you know teachers who happen to deliver, you know maybe online classroom or classes to their students who are not maybe comfortable wanting to deliver. Um, those sessions and you know parents and students having a bit more of a kind of view into their personal lives you know that you know although that's not mental health directly but there is a bit of a ish aspect to maybe teachers not feeling so comfortable in their environment anymore. I believe that mental health ha has got to do with everything so I completely agree it and it honestly depends on what school you're working at some teachers have to have to make videos and they don't have a choice however unions have been very good to back up teachers so if you don't feel comfortable then they are not urging you to do it but again it depends on the team around you if you have a team to support you they will help you because children spend so much time with their teachers that they would even be able to tell on a video how they are feeling so when teachers if they go on video or if they speak to the children over the phone that can give them such reassurance and help them for the next week I know for example I'm still at school helping the children of the key workers and I'm also doing things online so I've got to find what also will suit me best and make my time in the make my time the best so that children are also helped in the right way yeah I guess it depends on the resources of the school or who you're working for right definitely um you said about the green paper before written by the government before the show we were talking and, and you were telling me that you know your involvement within the green paper what what is that exactly so that is whereby um I liaise with people on a with a team and there's a mental health workforce I'm also part of a project board which means that um, each month I meet up with um, the Barnet Commissioner or the, a secondary school representative I'm the primary school representative um, I meet up with different roles in this green paper to identify what is actually working well for schools what is working well for children and also parents it's a whole I think what I've learned from this is it's a whole team effort. So we're then getting support from the government. If we need extra funding, they're seeing what they can provide. And we're seeing what we can place in schools because it's all about early intervention. So is this something that is published by the government? Is this? Do you have an influence? Yes, yeah, so this is published by the government. It's the, it was the 2017 Transforming Lives in Education. So part of their, um, they want to have a mental health um, lead in every school by 2025. So obviously what they've done now, they've got five pilot schools, including ours, where they have their workforce or community-based support teams. Um, and that's where it's starting. So it's across a certain number of schools at the moment, but then will eventually roll out to every school. And what they're taking from us when we have project board meetings is what is working, what is not. So it's trial and error because it's so new. People are, have only started really beginning to break the stigma of mental health at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it has been quite a big thing for the last couple of years. And this is something that I wanted to dive into. And, it's, you know, at what point does something become a mental health issue? You know, where's the boundary? What does it cross over? Because, you know... Um, we all are challenged with challenge, everyday life challenges, you know, adversity, rejection. Like going back to the first podcast that I delivered, um, we're all we, we all you know encounter those things day to day. So, at what point does it become a problem that support is needed for that individual? Because ultimately, we all need a bit of support. But where's it become 
serious? Well, obviously, everyone has mental health. So it just it's about a balance of whether or, whether or not it's impacting your daily life and your routine. If that is impacting your daily life and your routine, if you have, for example, a long-lasting sadness or irritability, if you're, extremely, if you're having extremely high or low moods, maybe you're having excessive fear, worry, or anxiety, maybe some social withdrawal, or even dramatic changes in sleep to sleeping or habits. Sometimes we have this anyway. However, if it is affecting your daily routine and your daily life, this is when you should seek help. But don't be put off for when I say seek help because that, that could mean at the beginning your help is from your friend. Yeah, and I think that's, that, that's where people sometimes, maybe as adults, people don't want to uh, ask for help because they feel that they might be embarrassed, especially as a child as well. You might feel embarrassed. You might not know who to ask for help. But um, it, I guess especially now with kind of the whole generation of social media and, and, and stuff and how much technology and access these students and kids have, um, some of them might not have actually been able to develop coping, coping mechanisms. So, you know, I remember, you know, as a kid growing up, you'd done something wrong, you'd get a certain style of telling off, um, but you'd have people around you. It wasn't a case of, you know, go and watch um, something on the iPad or, you know, you was never kind of neglected or I was never neglected personally in that certain way, you know. I, I think, excuse me, I think I dealt with it maybe by kicking a football against the wall for, for hours and hours because I found that fun. But kids maybe nowadays don't develop the coping mechanisms they need to progress or um, to actually deal with a situation which is completely normal. Would you See, agree? I agree and I disagree there because I think, for example, yes, in school there is a system that we can now follow to identify children who need help. However, when you have issues, it can result in actual behaviour. It's not; It won't always be that you're crying all the time. It could be that you end up being disruptive. But I see those kids every day, and I'm but not... It, even in a bit of a personality change? Yeah, well, of course. That, and that's a big key. That's And that's where teachers play such a vital role, because you spend so much time with these children. So you do look out for oh, what's happened to the behaviour. And actually, I think nowadays, we are accepting about talking about things, and the children are building more resilience. Yes, they're exposed to so much more. I started, I think, when I was young that's when social media began to come out and I feel like parents didn't have any control over it but it depends on the person you are whereas nowadays children are they are experienced so many different things I have kids at school that straight away their job they want to be a youtuber and you already think as an adult what will happen but what I think to myself it can be it can be hard to identify in yourself your issues and other children but if you were for example if you cut your leg and you were bleeding would you just leave it to bleed or do you go and seek help so it's sort of the same with mental health. If you, but, but but yeah, okay, I get that. But there are some, you know, there are certain individuals that would wipe it, crack on. There are other individuals that would seek, you know, medical care. Medical care. They'd want a, a doctor's letter. They'd want, you know, they can't carry on. And yeah, there is a kind. You can I understand where you're trying to relate it to to to, to mental health. In that but this respect. is where early intervention is key because all of yeah. these. So I'm someone who's very resilient. Um, from growing up, you, you build up these things and you, you deal with it and you get on with it. However, some people cannot. You do not know when you see someone at work, at school, at on? the gym. You do not know what's going on behind closed doors. You have children as young as five who are experiencing um, ideas of self-harming. One in three children in every classroom have a mental health disorder or um, symptoms, you could say it. People are obviously scared by those words. But you have to also accept that everyone deals with things differently. So you... Yeah, I, I do agree with early intervention and, and having... I, I do think it's important 
regards to, uh, to support. And that's what the government are trying to focus on. The earlier you get it, the more you can help children. Because so, usually the problems you have in adult life, usually... Are from, are are from, from yeah, when you were a kid. Definitely. And, uh, you know, they had underlying issues that weren't, uh, that weren't addressed. And well, data is starting to prove that sometimes you don't show... You, major symptoms until you're over 25 but actually your first symptom you experienced could have been in primary school and I'm talking things like um, a social disorder or even anxiety anxiety is something we all sort of suffer from but it's whether or not we can manage yeah, how those managed, anxieties yeah. yeah I think so, so some of the signs um, you know for I guess from it doesn't necessarily have to be well there you know there are physical signs which is obvious it's yes. it helps us identify those people that really need that help. But there are things, you know, um, that aren't physical uh, signs. So, you know, people, um, you know, suffer from lack of sleep, anxiety, stress, depression, um, loneliness. Yeah. Uh, these are all things that contribute to, to mental health. And I guess in a playground for a kid, um, you know, there is the element of loneliness, which, or, or, you know, when they first go and roll into school or the transition from primary school to secondary school, um, there is the element of loneliness and not knowing anyone. And that can lead to bigger anxiety, bigger depression and kind of a bit of a whirlwind effect and, and head down the route. Definitely. I think during even like this sort of crisis, no one would have imagined a pandemic like this. So it is OK to feel normal. Uh, it's okay, sorry, to feel sad, confused, stressed. Those are all normal emotions. You might even feel scared or angry at times. But you do, it, I think the key thing is to talk to people you can trust. If you, if you do have to stay at home during this time, you need to also maintain a healthy lifestyle. I think for kids, for adults, for anyone, this is where physical exercise is an essential component of improving both your physical and your mental health. Yeah, do you remember that time, I think it was uh, February last year, where, oh no, even possibly this year, that I came to the school, your school, to deliver, you have the Mental Health and Fitness Week. Yeah. Um, and just the impact of, so for those of you that listening that don't know what the Mental Health and Fitness Week in schools are, uh, M, do you want to explain? Essentially, what we do is um, they actually have two throughout the year of mental health um, weeks. And we created one where we put mental health and fitness together because we find it's so important in our school. You can have, uh, you can think you have the most healthiest mind, but unless you're also physically healthy, it, it's not going to help you. So we, across the school, put a session together where children were doing exercises on mental health. They did mindfulness, some yoga. And then also my brother came in and delivered CrossFit sessions, which was great to see children Children love exercise and they also love it coming from um, an adult who is also passionate about it. That makes them passionate. They, they thrive off that. Yeah. So they were able to actually get involved, have a laugh. And what's great about kids, they make mistakes, they learn from it. And actually they end up showing you off, showing you out more than more yeah. than what you can do. And I think the important, especially, I mean, um, inclusion is very important anyway in, in games and, and team oh, sports. Hugely. In team sports, but I think even more that week, I think I really tried to focus on um, trying to make the sessions as inclusive as possible to every single shoot. You know, there was, I think, what, seven seven different classes, eight classes that day, and 30 kids in yeah, each class. Yeah. And I think you them, actually did 10 classes because you did oh, across yeah. the school, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't having, really give you a break either. Yeah, that was a... That, you know, I <laughs> Not good for your mental health. health. I needed some mental health support that day. <laughs> Um, but they, they had such a good time and actually seeing them, you know, blowing off some steam, you know, some will use sport as a different, you know, some will use it because they're passionate about it. Some will use it because they like the competitiveness about it. Some will use it as a way to, um, you know, um, let some steam off. Some will do it as a way to 
you know, move away from everything that's maybe going on at home um, and things. Like that. I guess that's what adults do too. Yeah, and I think as well at school it's their safe space. So yeah. if children all feel comfortable with each other. Especially at a young age, it's easier to just do things and try things like pee. But as you get older, year sixes, it's physical exercise is a little bit more difficult because they then become more self-conscious. And I think that's the issue then with adults. You're more aware of what you look like, what you... It's a bit of a vicious cycle because, yeah. you, you know, you, you get to that point of maybe you go from year six to year seven. You're starting to get a little bit older, a little bit wiser. You're starting to explore your body a little bit more. And you've got the internet that is added to that. Um, uh, with social media and yeah. things that people see um, and that does you know and then there's the element of where if mental health not wasn't an issue before but if it wasn't around in your life before maybe with the social pressures or external pressures that you're getting that might be something that develops definitely and I think participation in regular physical activity can then increase your self-esteem and, and it actually reduces your stress and anxiety even if you just go out for a walk if you start small that helps that plays a role in preventing the development of mental health problems yeah i think that you people by experiencing exercise and it is and it is sort of an experience i think it then improves your quality of life but sometimes with exercise i think it can actually take you years to enjoy it you may not have liked it as a kid you may have experienced horrible pee lessons you may not enjoy gyms so when you then find the love of it, I feel you are able to experience it in a different way. Yeah, see, I've got a bit of a view on that because I think um, a lot of people give up before it's, you know, they, they give up. They're actually, I've said this in one of my previous podcasts, they give up once they're on the right track, you know, but they just don't realise how actually hard it is. So they think, oh, I'm going to stop. They don't see the results. They don't see, you know, and that's not just fitness. That's in a lot of things in life, whether it's through work, you know, friendships, relationships, um, job opportunities, um, they, 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 they're on the right path. The things become too challenging to them and they go, oh, this isn't for me, I'm, I'm going to give up. But that's where it all comes to your mindset and it actually is how you've maybe been brought up, brought up or what you've experienced because by the time you're reaching a certain goal, people like to physically see that yeah. and if they don't physically see it, yeah, I agree, they tend to give up because in your mind, you don't have someone motivating you all the time or you, you're, you, re you do, people rely on other people. That's why social media end up doing so well because you unfortunately rely on other people's opinions. But once you find that you don't need to be validated by anyone else, that will improve your physical and mental health. Y yeah, so, so that for those of you that need a little bit of, uh, let's say, inspiration with regards to you know having a, a bulletproof mind, which I call it if you listen back to podcast one um that will explain uh, a lot of what we're discussing there but i mean in this time you know you've used quarantine to explore your fitness um ha has that improved or helped or changed your mental health or anything like that yeah definitely to be honest i think in january i started doing the 60 days and that was the hardest part because it is about getting through i think quite a few weeks to actually adjust yourself to a different lifestyle and I think now it's something that I look forward to. It's a routine. I, I used to sort of never understand how you, Lorenzo, <laughs> used to you used to get so much enjoyment out of it and so much passion from it. I still, I still do. And you still do. <laughs> and, and now, but I'm finally seeing... I've always liked sport and I've always enjoyed it at school. I've never had an issue. But to do exercise and enjoy it the way you sort of have is is a is not easy for everyone. But it definitely now, it clears my mind. It helps me feel better. And I mean, what's great is my sister and I do it together. And I think when you sometimes have that someone to do it with, it, it pushes you that little bit more. Um, but even if you don't, I've got to a point now where I'll still make myself do it because you're helping yourself. Yeah, and actually I think that there's a, this is by all means no sales pitch, but I think 
um, with regards to CrossFit, people, you know, taking the hardest step for them is, is walking into the gym floor um, and where you said having a partner or someone to do it with, where, where people find themselves in a class of like-minded people who are all suffering the same emotion, all there for the, pretty much the same reason. Um, they develop that kind of, uh, you know, friendship, that camaraderie, but then they get into a momentum with themselves where working out with other people gives them also that belief and that confidence to then go out and do it on their own and at the same time improving their mental health because they're starting that belief system. Yeah, and I feel like if you're not being judged, I, that's the one thing I think resonates with people. If you can go somewhere you feel comfortable, then you can ch achieve anything. Yeah. I mean, the the result, the relationship with exercise and even your brain it is is crazy because it can decrease stress. It can it can just help you manage anxiety. That there's a lot that it can do, which I think it comes down to then school. Were we educated properly enough to actually understand the true value well, the or impact of it? Well, the education system has definitely changed from... from uh, definitely, and they're, they're more aware of doing, of exposing children to many more things. But I mean, I know, for example, we've been setting our children at our school challenge, weekly challenges. So this week they're doing the squat challenge, and it's how many squats they can do in a minute. And they're so happy to have, a task. to have a task. And also they love a bit of competition. They like to know what the teachers get, things like that. So it's about making it fun and exciting. But then... This might sound quite controversial, but going back, you know, many years um, of having not not having the resources that we have now, there are people that, you know, who let's say done something wrong when they were a kid, you know, maybe in the early 70s, 80s, 90s, and didn't have that support network around them, and have turned out, you know, now now fine, um, when there was no nothing existed around mental health, and then as we've got older now, mental health seems to be, you know, everywhere. In terms of if you, um, this is what one going back to the question, you know, at what point does it become a mental health issue, or is it normal, or is everyone just getting on the that kind of? Uh... No, I think mental health has always existed, and there's been a lot of problems, but I think there's been fear that has been associated with mental health. When you hear the word mental health, you, I think, all people automatically or think depression. of crazy. Yeah. I think they think, oh, if you've got mental health issues, or stay away from that person, or they've experienced this, they've experienced that. When actually, we all have these things that go on in our own mind, but it's how you can control them, how you can build resilience to that, how you can build your own self. -esteem. But you've got to understand that emotions are okay. And yes, it can depend on what teacher you have at school. And it also can depend on what your parents are like, what your siblings are like. I know, for example, mental health in our household, I only really heard the words in the last few years. Otherwise, it always existed when I was younger, but it wasn't put in such a way. Yeah, um, that, that's quite interesting. I mean, they are not that controversial viewpoint is not my belief it's just uh something that people do maybe think about and, and discuss you know it wasn't highlighted years ago and, and stuff but it is becoming more apparent in sports teams and stuff you yeah know, professionally um and i think it's great what's fantastic is people like prince william um prince harry and princess kate are advocates of mental health they even met with a group of footballers and did a whole um, yeah, mental campaign. health chat campaign and what they do is they're pushing it so it is the norm it's so prevalent in society so why are we not talking about it all the time yeah. It's I, not something to be embarrassed about, and unfortunately, some people still are. Well, but well, then that's what they've got to deal with. Well, it's someone as well. that you can find, it, isn't it? Really, because you know, we all have, we've all got best friends, and you know, good people we go and talk to. And I guess those of, 
you know, those are the people that we share those, let's say, insecurities or uh, matters with, right? Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes you might not even be ready to tell your friends. So if I could offer you any advice, if you felt comfortable, there are things like you could call the Samaritans or Young Minds. There are loads of different charities you could contact. If you're a child, you could, there's always something like Childline who you can speak to. Um, and also, the sometimes... The system in schools as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about just at home. If you're not ready yet to make that jump... You can also write it down. We do things at school called a gratitude journal where children who maybe have low self-esteem, we get them every day to write three positive things about themselves that either they think or that someone has said to them. And whenever they're maybe then feeling a bit upset or more upset than usual, they can go back to that gratitude journal and it, it just boosts their confidence and their self-esteem a little bit more. In school, there are support systems that you can follow and there are strategies that we can put in place. However, there are also children who are, keep it very everything inside you could be one of those people that you don't let people on you say oh how are you today yeah I'm fine well actually they've just had to take care of their mum they've just had to do all the washing then drop kids off and actually you never get time for yourself yeah there's a lot of things that happen behind closed doors that we yeah. don't actually read or know about people's story so you should always whoever you meet give them the time of day because yeah. you never know what they're going through and actually What's funny is during this coronavirus time, when we go for our, our walks... Yeah, you end up smiling, saying hello yeah, to people you smile that you've never met. Yeah, 100%. And, and that makes you feel better. We, we try and say at school that smiling is infectious, but usually when someone smiles at you, you find it very hard not to smile back. I, I think this time with this whole corona and you know the fact that we have to isolate and we was restricting stuff has made people maybe um, treat each other maybe differently. Even if you look at the... Um, before this whole corona situation just kicked off was you know celebrity in in the in the news uh, caroline flack who had suffered uh let's say maybe some abuse from Definitely. social media and that affected her mental health and unfortunately led her to to uh to to end, yeah. end her, her way of dealing with it was ending the pain uh and leaving this world um so this time hopefully within this situation because we've got a lot of things taken away from us has made us would like to think has made us become nicer people towards those maybe that we don't know the thing is i think that obviously this is a horrific situation but it's also given some people the time to spend that extra time with their loved ones sometimes that they, can be good know what they do <laughs> yeah uh who they are um, yeah sometimes that can be good but sometimes you just need to go for a walk for yourself and that's okay too yeah. but i think what we've also got to realize that this coronavirus will also impact a lot of people's mental health in the future there'll be a lot of people still afraid to go back to work go back to school even get on the tube yeah and that'll be for years and th that will be but you've also got to understand that you you've got to try your best to hit that head on otherwise it will develop and fester inside and become worse and worse and sometimes well all the time your mind is your own worst enemy yeah. But if you keep telling yourself you can do it, you'll eventually eventually get to a point where you can change your life. It, it, it is belief. It is it is creating that belief system, and uh, I keep referring back to becoming bulletproof in that first podcast that we we said, and it's you know it's, it goes along the lines of of what you're saying in that in that message. So um, to to wrap this up, um, there is support out there for adults. There are support out there for children, especially in schools. Um, what I'll do is I'll put this in the link of our podcast. So at the bottom of this uh, show, you'll be able to, if you do know someone who is suffering or you might be that person or you think someone can benefit from it, give them this information or use this information. Um, and um, hopefully we, we can make the world a better. So, and final words uh, from you, Emma. 
just to say everyone obviously is out of a routine so if you can try and get plenty of sunlight when you can try and do activities and exercise get plenty of sleep eat well do something you enjoy connect with others and you know what why not start talking today um stay safe uh we shall be back next week with a new episode emma thank you for your time thank you um be safe guys